millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. introduce our amazing special guest, um, Mr. Mark Boros is an Australian entrepreneur who has been innovating, I guess, the business game for many, many, many years. He challenges the business landscape and has created many disruptive business models. He is the founder of Wizard Home Loans, and he is also the chairman of Yellow Brick Road. I have the, I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by him last week on our pod on his podcast the mentored and we had an overwhelming response from the community and like-minded business owners that are feeling the same way as we are we were very reactive tonight we want to be more proactive and give you some actionable um actionable tips and tricks that you guys can you know implement into your business straight away so without further ado, I would like to have Mark join us. How are you doing? Pretty good, thanks. Pretty good. Good. How are you feeling after our chat? Yeah, very good. It was, as you say, a good positive response. I got a lot of people responding on my various um, mediums talking about how well you conducted yourself and how positive you are, which is cool. It's really good. Thank you so much. Um, and I... Again, it was this overwhelming sort of feedback. It was good. It, all of it was great, but it was emotional. Um, you know, so many people still reaching out saying they haven't had the government support yet. Um, you know, they have so many landlord questions. Like I've got like 100 questions that I could curate for you tonight. So um, what did you sort of feel on your end? Was it the same sort of response? Are they still yeah. pushing back on, on how they're feeling? Yeah. Um, it, well, the answer is yes. I'm, and I'm getting questions about um, how do you make the application? What happens if um, I wasn't in business this time last year or this, or this time the year before? I'm a new business person. Or I had people who um, talked about um, having their businesses in various entities and uh, they sort of lose out from that basis as well you know and a smart way to run your business by the way structure businesses if you're setting up a new division or a new business is to put it into a new entity but that new entity can't show that it had any business this time last year so that they can't make the comparison of the drop um, there's a yeah the problem with these things is that governments try to produce a solution that is going to cover the majority of people. 
And of course, what that means is going to be a whole lot of other people who don't fit in neatly into the box. And um, unfortunately, that's going to create a lot of frustration, which it has. Hopefully, governments can get their head around, you know, the various ways of fixing these problems. Um, but right now, those people are going to be remain frustrated. And I think that has been um, one of the most commonly asked questions with people that were falling through the gaps. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions for them? Like in particular, you know, they've started their business, say this time last year, and they're asking for financial records, you know, 2019, you know, are they forecasting like what that would look like? No. That, so the, 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 right now the answer is, is a blunt, you don't qualify. That's it. Um, and right. you're not going to get anything. So, I mean, my, my only response to that would be, would be to petition up if you could get a whole lot of people who petition around this with the same problem, you know, create a petition um, and see whether you can get a thousand people who are in the same position or 10,000 people in the same position. Open up a Facebook page, which is talks about this particular problem. Go to your local member, talk to your local member. Local members, by the way, do have sway in government. Um, the last thing a local member wants is for people in his or her area they start to think that they're not doing a good job and that when the next election comes up, particularly this time next year when the election comes up, they don't want to be elected out because they couldn't help you at this time. So certainly bring it up. I, I don't think it's – don't say nothing. I mean, last week I had a good whinge. The week before I had a good rant um, and you know because I felt as I had to say something. I think equally if you feel as though you – if you're falling between the cracks and you, and you think it's unfair, then don't bottle it up. It actually helps if you say something and find someone to say to, and I'll be going to my local member first off. That's about the only only place you can go. And I'm talking about my my local labor, uh, my my local state member, whether it's labor or liberal, and my local federal member, whether it's labor or liberal, because they both contribute to the the payments. So on my end, I've heard that the business grants aren't enough. I don't know if you're getting the same response, but a lot of people are, are sharing with me that what they are are being given is just not enough to cover what's happening right now. Are you getting the same response on your end? 100%. So, and it definitely is not enough. Um, but again, the government would the government's response to that is that well, we're not trying to actually cure the problem. Um, we're not trying to remedy the problem. We're just trying to give you a leg up for the next few weeks. What one would hope is that the government realises that it's not enough and that in, if they extend beyond, say, the end of August, that they will have to put their hand in their own pocket again and uh, give us some more money. But the problem is, and this will be the problem for the future and for our kids, is the government has to get this money from somewhere. Um, they're either going to get that, increase our taxes or they're going to go and borrow it themselves at the moment, which means we're going to have debt which we have to pay off for a long time. So it's a, you know, it's a, a quick fix now for a lot of pain later. My, and I'm trying to be a, a bigger person at the moment. Um, you know, my own business, I get businesses with lose, losing $100,000 a month at the moment in their accommodation businesses, like hotels and, you know, resorts that I, that I have, in my, our family has. And uh, for me, um, I'm just taking the view, and I'm, I might be a bit fortunate others, but I'm, Taking the view, I just have to suck it up. If I don't, if I don't qualify, I don't qualify. So I'm just going to have to suck it up um, because I can't run my business relying on governments to give me money. End yeah. of story. That that's the way it works. Um, if the money's available to me and I qualify, for fuck's sake, I'm going to take it. I'm going to grab with both take hands. Take yeah. it, take it off the table. 
But if it doesn't, if I don't qualify, I will um, I will make a noise and I'll moan to whoever it is I need to moan to and I'll put it in writing. Then I'm not going to just sit on that. That's not enough. I then have to start doing something myself about survival um, because there's nowhere else to go. So on that, and you've been in the loan business for a very long time. My question is to you, do you think that small businesses should be taking out small business loans now? Yeah, I do. You have to look at what, what do I need? So right now, start again. Let's, you have to sit down and say, what's my revenue going to be? It might be nothing, but what's my revenue going to be? And what can I get as a grant if I get anything at all? Um, what are my expenses? Which expenses are discretionary and which are non-discretionary? What can I uh, put on hold or park for the time being? Sorry, and Mark, or, what does that mean to people that don't understand that? Discretionary? Okay. Yeah. What are the things that are fixed I can't not avoid? So um, maybe it's your, your landlord rent. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's some wages to some people. You must keep in your business no matter what because you just can't afford for them not to be here. Oh, you know, like everyone's going to have to, you're going to have to do, do, do a deal with everyone. So sit down with those people and say, look, so-and-so, I can't afford, the business is not on any income at the moment. I can't afford to pay you. Um, are you in a position to take annual leave? Um, uh, or are you in a position to take unpaid leave? Or are you in a position to defer the amount of money that I owe you for a period of time? That's a loan. That's a loan from your employee. But I will, I will give you that money plus uh, 5% interest or 10% interest. Do a deal. Go to your landlord. Do the same thing. Look at every single expense line and find because you're going to survive. And hustle. And hustle. Every single hustle. one of them. Every single one of them. And explain the situation. There is nothing wrong with being affected by uh, – or you have, you're not running a bad business. This is government-introduced lockdowns, which you're not responsible for. It's got no reflection on you. And for all – for heaven's sake – please talk to those people who you have the obligation to pay and okay. do a deal. So yeah. on that. Well, Natalie, I, no, no, sorry, before you ask, the government keeps telling us we're all in this together. Actually, yeah. you, the proprietor, or you, the self-employed person, or you, the business person, have to go to your staff and your contractors and your landlord, if it's your landlord, or your bank, if it's your bank, and say, we're in this together. You, you have to. We all have to start saying this. When it doesn't matter what the government says, they're not in it with us. We are in this together with the people that we're directly responsible for. Yeah, and, and I think it's a matter of having open conversations and honest totally. conversations and hard with, conversations. These and are with hard. yourself. Yeah, of course. So with that, we had a lot of questions about landlords. And what would your advice be to, I mean, I had like at least 10 or 15 people say to me, their landlord is not willing to negotiate. What would you say to them? Like, I mean, is there any kind of creative sort of way that they should approach their landlord? I mean, one person was threatening to sell the business during this time, the building. Um, well, uh, let me just put some practical um, stuff out there first and foremost. Landlords who own retail premises, um, we're talking about re let's assume we're talking about retail tenants your your followers landlords who own retail premises if they have a tenant that tenant is gold i so think i am you know you are if you're a tenant if you're a retail retail tenant of a landlord today and trust me because i've got tenants i'm i'm a landlord i have tenants um you are gold 
because the, the last thing a landlord needs right now is for you to close your business up and something go wrong and have to go and find a new tenant. That's the first thing. It costs is legal fees. Um, they have to advertise it. They may not get the same the same rent. They may not get a tenant. Um, they and if they let's say it takes them one month to find a tenant, it means they get zero rent for one month. Or well, right there is a reduction in the rent because I tell you what and that the means is free period and well, correct. And that, just, just say I can get a tenant in one month's time, right? Right now, one twelfth. I can afford as a landlord to give you one twelfth of your rent off for the next twelve months, and I can spread it evenly over a twelve month period. So I can say, let's take if the rent is uh, you know a thousand bucks a month, I can say just be pay me nine hundred or eight eight hundred and eighty dollars a month right now because I know in a practical sense as a landlord, it would take me at least one month. Probably if I'm really lucky, it might take me. Two years if I'm unlucky, and I've got I've had buildings where I haven't had tenants in those places for two years, retail tenants. So remember your goal. So if you've got that in your head, you're the tenant. You've got to go to landlord. Have that negotiation. Yeah, let's be practical. Sit down and, and but please don't don't go and demand it. Don't go and be a smarty and say, well, if I leave, you know, you're never going to pay. That's not how it works. You don't have to tell the landlord that. They know that. You sent it, dear sir, dear madam. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak with you. Um, uh, as you understand, the COVID has locked me down. My revenue is down. I'm trying to keep my staff to keep my business viable in order that I can have a sustainable business and remain on as a good tenant of yours. And I'm enjoying the premises, blah, 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 blah. Suck up a bit. Yeah. Write a nice and, letter. And I also feel like there's a level of negotiation there. Um, my husband, you know, just did the same thing with our tenant. We did, I mean, we didn't ask for rent relief last lockdown, but this lockdown has been very different. And, you know, he said, like, how can we come together, you know, to find a solution? Like, we'll still pay something because you need your rent paid too, but, you know, how can we come to an agreement? Oh, good example. So let's, say, let's say you've got two years left on your lease. Let's say you're the tenant, you've got two years left on your lease. Why don't you say, please um, don't charge me any rent for last month, I, I can't pay last month for July. I won't be able to pay August. But instead of um, me having two years left on my lease, let's extend the lease for two years and two months. So you're recommending that we extend it? Just you know, back end, back end the payment for two by two in two right. months at the end of the lease. I'll pay you at the end of my lease two more months worth of rent. I don't mean sorry, I didn't mean extend my lease. Extend the payment process. So okay. at the end of my lease in two years' time, I'll give you my very last lease payment i'll give you three months worth of rent that's a as a starting place the yeah. landlord, landlord it's just an option just yeah. to give them relief right now yeah he might say well that's novel that's not bad like, mm -hmm. at least i'm going to get my money and i'm going to keep you as a tenant i'm assuming you're a good tenant but i'm going to keep you as a tenant at least you're trying to keep yeah, that's me a whole. good idea you've got to make the landlord feel as though you're trying to keep them whole what would they otherwise get now i will say this to you you're going to get some real shitty landlords who aren't very nice, you know, and they will, they will stonewall you. They usually use an agent in front of them so that you don't actually get to talk to them. Then what you've got to do is you've got to work the agent over. You've got to really work them over and you've got to put them in a position, give the agent a letter. So the agent's not just going to the landlord and say, Oh, look, she rang me up and she can't afford to pay the rent. 
give the agent a letter and the letter I just talked to it, that type of letter and let the agent then take the letter, gives the agent, that agent then has the opportunity to take that letter to the landlord. And then by the time you, you, you can go back and forth for a month, at least you can get a delay of a month while you're talking. Yeah, 100%. Buy time. Buy time. Right, so Buy I relationships. Play a little, I want to play a little game with you. Yeah. And I want you to pretend that you're a hairdresser. Okay. Do you reckon you could do that? I'll try. <laughs> so if you were a hairdresser or a beauty professional right now, um, we've had like had three questions that have like burned up my my DMs. And one was, how would you continuously motivate your staff today? Today. I'm the hairdresser. I'm the proprietor. You're a hairdressing okay. salon owner. You're Natalie Ann. Yeah. Okay. Well, the first thing I would do is, um, I think the most important thing right now, I was going to say invite everyone around, but you can't. But the most important thing right now is that you start to, well, you've got to start communicating. So don't just do it by telephone um, and spend time with them. You know, given the fact that I, the proprietor, am not actually able to cut anyone's hair or look after anyone at the moment, I've got time on my hands. So make sure, I would make sure that every minute of my day is devoted to my staff, talking to them. Like I would send, food to them i would say i'm not asking do you need anything i would send things to them i'd, I'd make sure that i and it doesn't have to be expensive it's it's more the thought counts but send some fruit around so you send food send if, if you've got if you're going to form more send flowers uh um if you know that there's something they in, in particular they like they like donuts or they like croissants or they like you know blah blah coffee send that if they, you know they've got a dog uh, ring up the, the, those uh, muddy paws people and uh, ask them and, and send a, them around to do a, a dog wash because they're doing those sorts of things at the moment. I saw them driving around the other day. Uh, think about something that's a gift, yeah, but not an expensive good. gift, and but not an expensive gift, a thoughtful gift. Thoughtful. Uh, like I am thinking of you and and then you've got to keep reassuring them that everything will be all right. So. I mean, one of the things I wish our politicians would do, and, and we talked about the pantomime that's at 11 o'clock on every day, is that I wish the they would let, right? correct, I wish they would reassure us that everything's going to be okay. That's all we need. We, are, we just want them to say, as our leaders, everything's going to be okay. Well, you're the leader of your business. Tell everybody everything's going to be okay because they can go home and tell their partner or whoever it is they want to tell their kids, or they just want to feel good. Yeah, Natalie Ann said it's going to be, uh, she said it's going to be okay. Um, Mark said it's going to be okay. And they want to believe someone and they're going to believe you if you're being thoughtful and reaching out to them. So you've got to continually communicate to them every day, every day. And you've got nothing else to do. Do it that's every probably, day. That's probably the best advice that I've heard on Instagram for a very, very long time. So I appreciate that. I'm going to put that straight into, you know, what we're doing for our staff. So the next question is how do you suggest um mark boris hair that you manage your finances during this time so i'm going to paint a little picture for you though most salon beauty based businesses live week to week they always have some of them are still on paper um you know they don't have tech or software or they don't forecast or plan how would you manage your finances um, so I, I presume they're not wage earners, they're like um, sort of uh, contractors or self-employed, is that what we're talking Both. about? Both. So Both. for okay. example, you've got like salon owners, say say we're talking to an average salon with four staff, the owner still working in the business seven days a week, um, you know, day in, day out with, with their staff members. Right. And they're local, their rent's average. 
So that's generally an average seller. Well, and are these people not earning any income at the moment? So the salon owners- We're say, all in lockdown. So I can't pay your wages. I can't nope. pay your wages. Okay. Well, obviously you've got to help them go and get the government um, the government payment that they're currently offering, the 600 yep. and the 750 a week. Ask and, and ask them. I mean, there's a dignity issue with this, okay? So a lot of these individuals might feel um, um, embarrassed to go and do it. Um, they can do, this can be done online. Ask them, can you help them do it online? I mean, a lot of these people will get nervous about doing these things online. And it's, it's very government-based, administrative, a bit scary for a lot of people. So offer to help them. Sit down with them and, and on a Zoom call and actually, or some other form of call, whatever format you can get, even if it's just a FaceTime or a WhatsApp video, sit there and say to them, I'll help you let, let me help you work through this application form so you can get the $600 or the $750 a week. That's the first thing. Yeah. Second thing you've got to do if you're the owner of the business, I think you got to, it depends on your own position, you've got to say, are you okay with your money? So let's sit down and work out how you're going to, tra how you're traveling for the next month. So what are you, uh, ask them to tell you what are the rental, what are their rent outgoings, assuming that they open up, but what are your food outgoings? How can I help you? Can I get some food over to you? Do you need anything in terms of, that's not just off, this is a financial assistance. So I would be saying, if I'm the salon owner, I'd be saying these, to that to these individuals. If I, if the salon owner is not saying that to me as an individual, me, the individual, I would be sitting down. I don't, you don't need a budget. You need a piece of paper and you need to write down there what goes into your account. And, and right now it's going to be government payments and make sure that's nailed, absolutely nailed. What goes out of your account every single day, write it down, uh, you know, cigarettes, um, Netflix, blah, 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 whatever it is, not just cash, what goes out of your credit card, everything, automatic everything, payments, everything. every single item. And by the way, everybody should do this, whether it's COVID or not COVID, but there's a good opportunity to do it. Know what you earn, know what money comes in and what money comes out. Kerry Packer used to only ask me one thing every single month for four years. And I had a huge business, a, a massive, we made $80 million a year. He would ask me every month, son, how much money came in the account for the month? Son, how much money went out of the account? How much money we owed and how much money do we owe? He said, that's all he gave a shit about. He said, I don't care about all these fancy net profits and this and that. Who cares? EBITDA, whatever it is, it's all irrelevant. He said, what came in, what went out? And he, I want to know that every single month and then, <clears throat> excuse me, he would check my the bank account, our bank account, and make sure that what I told him was there. How much money have you got in the bank? So if you're a, a person who's affected by all this, do you know how much money you got in your bank account? Do you know how much money comes in, comes into your account every month or how much money you need to come into your account every month? And do you know where you're now going to get it from because you're not getting it from the business? Do you know how much money goes out of your account? Of those items, do you know, sorry, do you know every single line item for the money that goes out of your account? Does anyone owe you any money? Go and get it. Do you owe any money to anybody? Stop paying them. Go and ring them up, email them, send them a letter. Go and, you can't see them, ring them up. Tell them, you, can we just defer it for a period of time? That's all. It just goes through every single line. I love that. I love that you've kept that financial advice super basic. Like what's coming in, what needs to go out, what are the necessities, can you eat, moving forward, this is what we need to do. And really that's as, as basic as it needs to be. Then reach out. If you've got a problem, you know, there's some reason you might have a couple of kids or dependents or whatever, 
and the people have to eat and what have you, and you got to put a roof over your head. You reach out, reach out either to your landlord or reach out to your to your boss and say, "Look, I'm in trouble here," and uh, you know, like I, I'll and I, I'm could I borrow a couple of thousand bucks? I, I promise to pay you back. You know, like this call out. I mean, we are in a sort of a, a bit of a national problem at the moment in Australia, and uh, COVID's starting to present itself everywhere, and um, there's not going to be a, a quick end to the COVID issue. Um, hopefully, there's a quick end to the lockdown. But we need to start to change the way we think about things. I and mean, to some extent, we've got to drop our pride, if you know what I mean. So let's be a bit more open and uh, transparent. Make sure we absolutely understand every single nook and cranny in relation to our finances, what comes in and what goes out. That's our finances. When you're at that stage, the sort of people you're talking about, we're just kicking off. We've just been in this business for a little while. We're only interested in what comes in, what comes out. We, we live hand to mouth. I've been through that process. I know what it's like. You know, and and you've got to actually. I used to make sure I sat down and every you know couple of months and knew every single payment I had to make. That's amazing. All right, so keeping in touch with your clients. So I think this is 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 a very interesting one. I get asked this all the time, um, especially you know today. We don't have that touch point with our clientele. You know, how would you suggest that small businesses can get creative right now? and keep in touch with their clients because I think it's so important. If they're not communicating with their clients, when we reopen, they'll be like, well, bugger her off. I'm going to go somewhere else. She forgot about me during COVID. So what would you say to business owners getting creative on, on how they can keep in touch? Well, that's a really good, that's like, this is a, a critical, what I call a critical point or a critical question in relation to a business, which the assumption First and foremost is you know the details of, of all your clients. You know who your clients are. You've got first, you should always have a list of your clients. So if you don't. You're building that database. Yeah, totally. Build that database. And it doesn't have to be digital database type deal. Um, just handwrite. I don't care. You write it. You need to know their name. You need to know their address. You need to know their phone number. You need to know their email address. Um, and if you don't have all that information, now's a good time to start to find out all the details of everybody. Hi. Hey, go, Natalie. Hey, go, Natalie. Uh, just checking out. You know, we know we're locked down. You know, we have a little bit of chit chat. Um, uh, by the way, just updating the records here, and I don't have your latest email address or what's your latest. What's what? Because I want us to be able to send you something that's it's new in the hair industry or newer, some new whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know what to do, but yeah. yeah, yeah send about the latest and greatest. Totally, and and start to build a build, build and or rebuild your client list. Start to um. And then in relation, once, you, once you've done that, on the assumption you've done that, then start to reach out to all your clients and you might want to do an email, I get it. You might want to sort of send out a note to everybody or a newsletter or something along those lines. You might want to send out some funny photos. But for me, it's, I mean, I can't do it in the Elderly Grow business. I've got 180,000 clients. But for me, if my business, if I was in a, the hairdresser that you, talk, you mentioned to me before, if I, if I was yes, actually- small businesses. They might I'll have 500 clients. I ring them. How you going? It is, you know, like, or text them just when they're going. People go, oh, shit. Oh, that's cool. Peter just texts me. Like, that's nice. Peter ask me how I'm feeling. You okay, Mark? Makes and, the biggest difference. Oh, my God. Like, it's such a big deal. Like, uh, it is it is such a big deal. It's so cool if someone does that. And I, and I think, oh, that's nice. I think that's nice. If someone I know just, well, maybe I haven't just spoken to for a couple of years, sends me a text, I oh, was just checking on you. You're okay. You're okay. 
Man, I think that's, that's so powerful. And I think, look, through, I mean, I'm, I'm a digital being. I always have been. I think connecting, you know, with your clients through DM is, is really important. Um, I think the Instagram handle is another piece of information that's really important because it makes it super easy to just send them a video. Like I do it all the time. I'm very dyslexic, so I hate email um, and I hate text. So I'd much prefer to like, you know, voice memo or, you know, send them a video, which is really personal to say like, hey, how you doing? Or this is what we've just dropped or this is the latest thing, you know. I've just worked on my marketing flows. So when people purchase a product from me, they receive a video of me saying thank you to them personally. So they're little tweaks that we're making in our business to look after and nurture our clients. And so technology is a really important part of this too. <clears throat> I agree. So it's a it's cute and it's a, a real great surprise when you you know, you might be sitting at home trying to watch the Olympics or whatever you're trying to do during this lockdown period when you're having a break. And then if someone all of a sudden sends a video to you, just saying, how you going? Yeah. How cool is that? And, uh, and it doesn't really matter to me what platform it comes through on, but it, it, which digital platform, but using digital and videos, most of us have got a smartphone today. You can easily take a video, even if it's a funny video, even if it's a silly video, um, talk to you, not only, by the way, also talk to your staff and your friends, but, Talk, talk to your customers and your customers say, oh, wow, that's cool. Isn't she funny? Like, because, you know, so we and, all need a bit of a laugh at the moment. That's the one thing that I talk about so much is humanizing brands, right? So I feel like, you know, people talk about branding and they talk about, you know, how to build a brand and how to build an online brand, but no one's really talking about how to make it human again. You know, like, and this is the one thing that you and I were talking about, you know, even with the 11 o'clock news or, you know, how they're communicating, like how the government is communicating. I think communication is the key to all of this, is how the government is communicating with us as a, as a community, but also as business owners, how we're communicating to our staff, how we're communicating, you know, to our, our clients. I think it's just so important and so powerful right now that you've touched on those things. Communication is, is really key and we really need to humanize our brand. Now, what are the ways that you feel like people need to humanize the communication? Well, it's you have to be very careful the way you do it too. So um, you need to think about your audience. Your audience might be, in, in this case, just one person. Um, you need to think a little bit about your audience. You, therefore, you need to know a little bit about that particular individual that you might be reaching out to. It could be if it's a customer or a staff member. Um, and tailor the communication to that individual. For me, I mean, it could be it could be a video, it could be a funny video because they might be so these sort of people like mucking around. It could be someone who you know is suffers a little bit from is, is suffering at the moment, so you know they're looking for some empathy. Um, some it's one of the they want to hear you. Yeah, warmth. You know, you know, just try to tailor it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all performing. That's what humans do. We perform all the time. And if you're performing, then by definition, it means there's an audience in front of you. So know what your audience is and perform to your audience. And I don't mean be, it's not being fake. No, no, no. Give them, give them what you think they need because that's a gift. As long as you are able to supply, give them what you think they need. And, and this is all about gifts and giving and being generous. And, uh, and, and, and the generosity could be as simple as being empathetic 
in the, your discussion with them. And, and that would be about asking them about how are you feeling? As soon as you ask them how they're feeling, people, some people say, oh my God, thanks for asking me. I would die and tell someone. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a really powerful opening stanza. How are you feeling? Um, and, and that's the one thing that you and I spoke about is the psychology about beauty. And you asked me, you know, whether or not, like, you know, people needed to actually see us and they feel insecure when they're not feeling beautiful. And it's so true. You know, it's one of those situations where we make women and, and men feel beautiful. We make them feel a certain way. And I, I, I echo that. I just think it's, it's important to make our clients, our family, our people feel that we care. Let them know that we care during this time. And by the way, I would say most women do care. I mean, because at the end of the day, you're running a business. If you don't care about your clients, your customers, your staff, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you don't have a business. It's just transactions. And if you want to be in the transactions game, go and stand, be, go and stand as a bank teller and just take people's money and stash it in a hole somewhere. So you, you're in the business, as you said, of people experiencing um, special occasions you making him feel good moments. about special occasions and uh, yeah moments yeah moments in actually your mark can i stop you i watched yeah. uh, a really powerful interview oh actually it was you on stage um can you it was today i watched it on youtube and you were talking about the minute that um kerry parker asked you what business are you in <laughs> so yeah because I feel like that will just wrap up really what we're talking about here. Okay. Well, I'll give you. That a was so powerful to me. Like I was like, oh, I'm not in the beauty business. Yeah. Well, it's so, so I mean, you often hear people talk about the purpose of the business. Um, and, and the purpose of the business um, is to make money and to be successful and, um, and to be, you know, a shining star. That, that's sort of the purpose. I always thought that was to be the purpose of the business. I went into Kerry Packer's office when he was about to give me some money to take over half of my business. And um, it wasn't given to me, it went into the business. And um, all the deal had been done. We'd been working for four or five months trying to put it together. It was quite traumatic and stressful and I was deal fatigued. And I had to go and see Kerry and I had to sit there and there was a, he had three questions for me. Um, and uh, before he'd hand the check over that we had to bank into the business. And um and the very first question he said to me, he just looked at me blankly and he said to me, son, uh, what business are you in? And um, I was, my business was called Wizard Home Loans. So I immediately thought my purpose is home loans. You know, that's, that's what I'm there. I'm there to make money out of people, lending people money. I, I get it at one price and I give it to them at a higher price and I might pick up the bit in between. And, uh, you know, people can borrow money from me to buy houses. I mean, like that's, uh, was, that was, that was, that's as far as I ever thought about it. And, uh, but before, that's what I thought. I didn't say it to him. Before I ha could answer the question, he told me, don't say home loans. He didn't actually say that word. He put a, a quite a strong adjective in front of uh, That's a stuff. scary phrase, home loans. He said, don't say home loans. Oh, correct. And that's, that was his point. Um, and, I, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't have an answer for him. And he said to him, look, I, I'm going to help you out here. He said, I, I like businesses like yours, et cetera, you know, disruption, et cetera. He said, you need to remember something. He said, you're not in the business of lending people money. People don't want to borrow money for you, from you for the next 30 years and have to pay you back every month. 
and they go through good times and bad times and you always got your hand out for your mortgage repayment. And by the way, people are experiencing that right now with the banks. You don't, that's not your favorite person. Um, he said, you're in the business of people's hopes and dreams. That's the business you're in. They hope and dream that one day they can own that house that's down the road or they, they're, they're so excited they want to um, borrow some money so they can build a, a garage and a granny flat at the back for their kids who have grown up and they want to put a pool in for the young kids who have just been born and uh, or they want to buy a holiday home because it's they can't travel overseas anymore and they want to go and buy a holiday home in um, on uh, Southwest Rocks or somewhere like that or, or they've got, got a dream they want to buy a place in Orange out in the country because that's where they want to retire. That's the business you're in, son. He said you're in the business of people's hopes and dreams. Drop the word home loans from your business name. Just call yourself wizard. He said, and wizard and dreams and hopes. He said, it all works. He said, don't ever forget that. And he said, in every single advertisement, advertisement you do, and every script you write or someone writes for you in terms of advertising, or in every person you employ and every shop front you have, that is your message, hopes and dreams. It was so powerful. And guys, if you can take away, I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. I believe it was a success resources um, panel that you did. Yep. Um, I watched it this morning and because I, I just needed that. I don't know. I needed a kick in the face this morning because I had a lot to do. So I just turned you on and I got my kick in the face. It was great, but it was <laughs> perfect because it was right before I was writing all my marketing flows. And for me, I just, I needed to sometimes go back to that why. And Everybody needs to, to really double down on their why. Take this time, work on your purpose, understand what business you're really in because it does help you. Like you said, it should be in all your messaging. It should be like a part of your mission and your vision statement. And this is how we're going to, you know, get through this and be super positive at the end of it. It was you so asked powerful. Me a question. Thank you, Natalie. You asked me a question earlier on. You said, um, what's a, <clears throat> excuse me, what's a way I can interact with my staff? Well, maybe you can, if you can afford it, or if you have the capacity, hold a, uh, a, a Zoom call with all your staff and sit down and actually do it. Today, we're going to do a hackathon. And they're going to say, oh, wow, what's a hackathon? Well, today, we're going to hack into the business purpose, the purpose of our business. We're all going to sit around, just wear your sloppy joe, your pair of sand shoes and whatever you want, and get a bag of chips and just eat shit. We'll send you a pizza. Pilot. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll send a pizza and we're going to do a hackathon. We're going to hack in to what our business, what business we're in. Not what you think. What do you think the client's, what do you think the client's idea of the business we're in? Now, what is a client expecting from us to fulfill what? And hack into it for a, a half a day. You can have a bit of fun, you know, muck around. and But have everybody there from the person who sits at the front desk because everyone's uh, view is valuable. You know, you could say to the person that sits at the front desk who may not be a hairdresser, say, well, so-and-so, yeah, well, and what do you think? And also get their clients in on the conversation. I think totally. asking your clients, like servicing the clients on on what they expect from you moving forward, you know. Totally. I, that's so I ask my clients, I audit them all the time. I'm like, what more do you want from us? Like how can we improve our service? I mean, especially going from the first lockdown, I mean, I'm, I'm Lebanese, like culturally, my family. So we're extremely hospitable. So, you know, we like to serve our clients like nuts and um, cheese and crackers and coffee and tea. And like when you walk in, I want it to feel like you're coming into my house. So if you're not greeted within three seconds, there's a problem, right? So all of those things 
just went away. So I felt really disabled as a person because I couldn't service her the way that I normally do because I wasn't allowed to serve coffee and tea. I had to get plastic disposable cups. How was I going to do that on the brand? You know, face masks, like we lost all this personality, you know, and then we couldn't greet them at the door because I had to sign into a COVID sign. Like it was just like this crazy, like flip on its head. So like, how would you make it more warm again? Like when we reopen, like how are you, how am I meant to greet them again? Well, you know what, when, when we, when we reopen, which is not going to be that far away, it's, you know, it's, it's going to, it seems like a long way, but you know, three, four weeks from now, we will reopen. You will reopen. Um, When you reopen, you're going to be so, so excited. Um, And so are your clients, by the way. And uh, you're going to be so excited. Um, I don't think, I, I would say to you, Make sure that you express that excitement and warmth and happiness to your clients. I, I want to give you a good example. A good friend of mine. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mine today, who I, I've known for a long, long time, maybe 20 years, um, he got he got diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer maybe 18 months ago. Pancreatic cancer is a pretty bad cancer. He's only maybe yeah. 50. And, um, and he's got family and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and uh I saw him about um, what I see him when I see him. I saw him late last year, and he didn't look too good. He was lost a, sh- a hell of a lot of weight. He was going through all the various, you know, uh, treatments. He texted me today, and he said he beat it. And you know what's amazing? Um, this is going to what's going to be like when we beat this lockdown. It's going to be similar in a collective sense. I was so happy for him. Dang. I just I just text back. I don't know awesome. him, and I I got goosebumps. 
I, I, I just wrote fucking awesome. And then I thought, no, that's not good enough. Um, then I had to write some more, had to write <laughs> some more stuff. Video message. I, I know, I was going, oh, okay. And I just kept writing, but I just kept writing stuff. I just kept writing stuff and more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. And uh, in the end, he probably thought, Lizzie, you're a pest, get away. Because, you know, but like, I was so happy for him. And I think that um, I, I really ex- ended up expressing it over a longer period of time. But I think that's how we're going to be when when lockdown ends. Um, we're going to be so happy for each other, for our clients, and our clients are going to be happy for us. I think I just think it's it's going to. We won't need to try too hard. I mean, be yourself. Just be yourself, and make sure that everybody you try and introduce back all those things that you you miss. Not because they should be there, because they're things that you miss, yeah. and that you know, and you miss doing for your clients. And and show them lots of gratitude because all of a sudden I think we um, really um, are grateful for the our ability to actually work yeah. and to open a business. I mean, so like, many of my staff have said the same thing. Like they just they miss each other like so much, and they miss doing hair. Like you yeah. know, they just they, they love doing it, and they miss their client. They'll miss talking to their client and say, well, what have you been doing? Hey, how you going? Like, it's so good to be back, eh? Um, and, and, and they yeah, miss the, like, stupid things that their staff member, like, their co-worker usually does that annoys the Christ out of them. Like, I remember one was like, I just miss walking in and you've got that dumb face on. <laughs> and it's true. It's beautiful. Oh, my God. I don't want to get emotional because, like, that's But it's so good sense. that they tell you now that that's really cool. I mean, there are, there is a lot of good things come out of COVID. nothing good comes out of COVID, I guess. But there's a there's a lot of realizations we've all and had. A lot of learnings, yeah. A lot of learnings. I mean, everyone keeps talking about the digital world. I, look, I think it's fantastic. The digital world has really boomed as a result of it. It's been and and we've all been forced to become much more digital digitally savvy, and and that's been great. We fast forwarded our digital sort of um uh, our, our digital ability from where we were. We really have fast forwarded. So is the rest of the world. But I think also there's been a lot of um, other things we've realised about ourselves. We've realised about our coworkers. We've realised about how grateful is the fact that we can work. We can actually go to work. Um, uh, we've also realised how um, you know how, how good our family is to us, our friends are, how important our friends are to us, um, and how, how much we miss them. Um, oh. You know, like uh, like so many things. And and the big theme that comes out of all of it is gratefulness. Just being grateful. You know, like uh, I'm grateful that I can that I haven't got sick. I'm grateful that no one around me has got sick. Amen. Um, I'm grateful that I can go and get the jab and it's free. Um, <clears throat> I'm grateful that for I, now. I for now. I'm grateful. They're about I to pay us to do it. Sorry, they're about to like, pay us to do it. Maybe. Well, and I'm just happy to get it done for free and not have to, you know, wait too long and all those sorts of things. And I'm and grateful to be able to have these conversations. You know, like you and I would not be talking to each other. But for COVID, I would never have met you. I've never have met the people that have uh, DM me as a result of uh, doing my podcast with you. Um, you know, and my whole my world has broadened instead of contracting. And a lot of people may be thinking that their world is contracting. There is opportunities to broaden your world, um, and there's lots of people out there who want to talk to you. And try and broaden your world now. Try and try and open up your business. Here's an op- as I said earlier. You said it. You asked the question. Here's an opportunity to absolutely understand everything you spend. And where the income is going to come from. Here's an opportunity to know everything about your clients. Get your client list right and ready, ready for action. So if this ever happens again, you know everything about your clients. 
so that you can immediately contact them by whatever format you want to contact them on. I mean, and nobody would have held this this conversation asking me for these practical tips, but for COVID. So Natalie Ann has gone out and you know showed some initiative here, and parlayed all this out to all the people who follow you, which and I'm happy to do it too. Um, so I'm I'm I I feel privileged and I feel grateful that I have an opportunity to actually be asked these questions. These are things that I just inst- intuitively do. But what I don't realize, and I should think, is a lot of people don't intuitively because they don't have the experience I have. So therefore, I must I I feel as though I must pay it forward, and and I need someone like you to ask me the questions of because I don't and know I'm what people so need to I'm so grateful, and I'm happy to like ask the really like people feel like they're stupid questions, but I'm like no. they're not. No one knows what this is right now. No one we've never experienced this in our generation, so we don't understand how to pivot right now. You know, like I had my staff asking me questions, and for the first time, like normally I have all the answers, right? I don't have all the answers. I'm like I just like. I can't even say I'll get back to you because I just don't know, you know. So well, there's an old saying that I can even call you and be like, "Hey, help." There is an old saying. There is no answer is an answer. So you said to me before, "What are people going to do who who fall between the cracks in terms of the the various government uh, grants?" Well, I don't. There is no answer. There may well be no answer to that, and that they just fall between the cracks. There's no way around it. Other than make a bit of a noise about it and try and put it, uh, build us some awareness or put it in front of a politician. But I never being a local that. member, I feel like that's a really practical, like, piece of advice that they can action immediately. They might have their whole street in their LGA that is feeling the same way, that's fallen through the cracks. Like, I mean, that could be fifty people already on that petition. I think that's super powerful and really strong, guys. I want to give somebody the opportunity a little later to ask Mark a question directly. So if you want to come on and join us, then you will be able to ask Mark the question because I did the mentor last week and usually at the end of your segment, you allow, you know, the person that you interviewed to ask you a question. I basically said no, probably because I really didn't think about it prior and I was like oh I have a million but no I really wanted to pay it forward and I wanted to give someone else the opportunity to ask you that question because I'm sure you can add so much value to them so we will get to them shortly there has been buckets of questions in these comments I don't even know how like I've been so interested in what you're saying I probably haven't been doing my hostess job and reading but I've got so many more questions that I can actually get to here. And one really cool question that we got was, despite the difficult times, what is the best way to keep your eyes open for opportunity right now? Well, that's a, that's a really important one. In fact, I had a conversation with someone today um, when about this in, one of, in relation to one of my businesses. When, when everybody's... Um, concentrating on how they're they're on the defense. Yeah, Yeah. there's opportunity arises. So let's say, for example, I just make it up. There's a hairdresser next door to you, and um, and you both evenly own all the clients in the in the area, fifty fifty, and they've both got reasonably good businesses, but you're both getting hassled by a landlord. 
by individual landlords. Well, you might be able to um, join forces and arbitrage against the landlords. You might be able to say, well, we're going to merge our businesses. You know, or, or maybe someone has decided, look, I'm sick of, I'm 62. Let's say the individual 62, you're 35. Um, and they're thinking, well, I was going to retire when I was 65. You might say, well, is there any, have you got any interest in selling your business? Now, maybe you want to retire now. That, that's just you. You know, you've got to sort of be digging around and thinking where the opportunities are that are presenting itself as a result of COVID sort of pushing these opportunities out. And COVID does these sorts of events, crisis always pushes opportunities out. As much as it hurts a lot of people and it creates a lot of stress, et cetera, there are a lot of opportunities that come up as a result of these environments. So there are a stack and stack of opportunities. You got but you've got to go out looking for them. You've got to be creative. You've got to be thinking about where's the angle. Um, you know, and I, I don't mean taking advantage of people at all. I don't mean that at all. But taking advantage of situations to the extent that it suits the other party and it is helpful to the other party. Um, so I, for me, it's also about right now is about being strategic. So what we tend to do under pressure is we become tactical. Um, what I mean by tactical versus strategic. Tactical, I mean, um, what I mean by that is I'm, I'm responding. I'm, I'm just responding to things. So. I get pressure from here, I respond. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, someone rings me up about um, they've, got a, they've got a problem, they can't afford to pay their rent, a staff member. My tactical response will be, can I lend you some money? How can I help you out? That's tactical. And we tend to be very tactical. And then we get over, overrun with tactical stuff at the moment. But also, you've got to step back every now and then. Maybe it's on Saturday afternoon or sometime when you've got some quiet period. And because you're not working and think about strategic. Okay. Why am I in this business? How long do I want to stay in this business? So good. What's the value of my business? So it may not be, but for COVID, like, let's say, how do I work out the value of my business? Well, you know, like I'll give you a good example. Let's say, and you would know better than me, but I don't know if this is true or not, but let's say your business turns over a hundred thousand dollars a year in and um, fees. Yeah, hairdressing fees, revenue, but and let's and find out you and you can find this stuff out pretty easily. What is the multiple that the hairdressing industry industry applies to hairdressing businesses that that are operating in uh, Glebe in Sydney? So, and the multiple means is what is the amount of money that someone will pay me as a times the revenue I earn? So, if I earn hundred grand a year. In hairdressing industry, do they pay me to buy that business one hundred thousand dollars? So, for example, is, on exit, if that's what you're talking about. On so exit, if I'm yeah. I'm going to sell my business. Yeah. What my business turnover? What the X of that is to get to the evaluation? Yeah, correct. And they call that a multiple, okay? And and you can find it. So do a bit of research. Google it. I mean, there'll be multiples for the hairdressing industry. There'll be multiples for the beauty industry. There'll be multiples for the laser industry. All those industries, beauty, makeup, the whole thing. There'll be there'll be multiples for each one of them, in, and then you say to yourself, okay, well, if my business before COVID was turning over a hundred grand a year, or was making a net profit of forty grand a year or fifty grand, and a year, it's three x, you could sell it three times. It's, it's now it's worth three hundred grand. Okay, now, okay, so that's what my business is worth three hundred grand, but for COVID, but you know, it'll, it'll, COVID will go and it'll come back to that. It should come back to that. Okay, that's today. Well, strategic thinker would say, where do I want to be in three years' time? Do I want my business to be worth $1 million? Well, to be worth $1 million, 
And if it's a three times multiple or three times three times X, I need to have $333,000 worth of revenue in three years time. So I'm 100,000 now. How am I going to build my business to 333,000? Does that mean I need to, get, need to get six more hairdressers in the place and each one of them is earning $56,000 for me per annum? And to, for, me, for me to get $56,000 per annum, they have to be earning another 50,000. So they have to turn over $100,000. This is strategic thinking. But it's and also the way that you're explaining it, most people don't think like that. You that's know? how you got to think now. You got to think that's strategically. It, but keep it basic. So I'm making $100,000. I want to exit and make three, I want to three X that, 10 X that. I need to double down or triple down or quadruple down on what I'm currently doing in order to be able to get that. Correct. And how am I going to do it? How do I execute yeah. on that? Does it, I mean, where, how do I earn my revenue? Is my revenue people-based? In other words, for every person I employ, I can make 10 grand. Yeah. For every every hairdresser who has a, a seat, can I, I can make 10 grand or 20 grand. I have no idea, by the way, but I'm just making things up. But, and then, okay, that tells me- they could start an online part of their business, sell more retail. 100%. They could rent space of part of the business, become, you know, shared space. Yeah. Then once you've got that strategic thought process, say, okay, well, over the next three years, in three years in the example I just gave, I've got to have $330,000 worth of income. Okay, well, I'll go 100000 now. I'll go two twenty at the end of next year and three thirty the year after and start to build it out. And starting to think, how am I going to do this? Because, I mean, these are great opportunities to start to plan. But it's no point just sort of dreaming. I'm not dreaming here. This has to be a proper plan that you put in place and you start to execute on and start to think strategically. And I think it's really important to start to think think strategically. Do you have any tangible, like, um, I don't know, uh, something that we could, or maybe we can do it together. I don't know if you have one, but like, do you have like a business strategy sort of template that people can like download that they can fill out these sort of forms? Like, do you have anything that's tangible like that? I don't have a thing for valuation, but I have a thing called my playbook. I have a playbook it's, and it's free. So it's uh, and the playbook um, you with the playbook, you, there's 10 chapters in my playbook. And you go, you go through the, each of the chapters and you have to answer questions. But okay. I speak for about an hour, uh, I think it's about a half hour on each chapter. So it's a, like a bit of a, a lecture series. And then it's, it's on my website. It's on the mentor.com.au. And what you do is it takes you through the 10 things, the 10 chapters that I apply to my business every month. Amazing. These are the 10 things that Kerry used to do with me at Wizard every single month. We did 10 things. What I've done is I've sort of explained them a bit. I've sort of, you know, made them a bit more simple than the way Kerry and I used to do it. But, you know, things – and the very first one, by the way, you asked the question earlier. The very first one is every month you've got to examine, re-examine your purpose, the business purpose. You make – because, you know, your customer's view on you changes over time um, and what they expect from you. Sometimes the more you do, the more they expect. So, you know, you've got to revisit, am I, yeah. am I, am I on song? Is the business on song? That's all the first. Second one, my second chapter is about what I call a play defensively. So defense wins games every time. If you're a rugby league player, a rugby league follower, or a, a sport person in a team sport, defense always wins games, wins grand finals. And 
it's very important in business. We always tend in business to be thinking about, oh, let's go make the revenue, blah, 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 let's do this. Yeah, but you've got to play defensive. So have I got my systems in place? Have I reduced all my systems down to writing? Have I got all my insurances in place? Is my Are my leases all in place? Um, where are these things kept? Um, you know, like, uh, you know, have they been stamped? Is, uh, you know, have I done a will? You know, the, that's called, that chapter is called playing defensive. And there's a number of but chapters. All that talk about of those things are so important when you are first starting a business. But not only that, when you're in a business and you feel like you are, you're, you're, we're in this situation now, these are the things that they should be actioning right now. Correct. And, and, and it's funny you said to me about Kerry. Every single month, Kerry had maybe 20 or 30 businesses, businesses he had invested in, like, not like mine, not like finance, because of a different type, rag trade businesses, all sorts of things. And he used to get us all to his house or his office once a month, and we all lined up. And uh, he asked us a number of questions. And then on different days of the month, I would spend three hours with him, and Kerry would go through every single one of those 10 things that are in my playbook, every single Things like, and this sounds ridiculous, energy of the business. How was energy that's like? Not, that's not ridiculous. That is so important. Like energy yeah, totally. in, energy Especially out. Now. Everything. How's everybody feeling? Uh, belief in the business. Do you believe in the business, Mike? Do you think is this mortgage business called Wizard? Uh, is it going to be okay? I mean, do you still believe in it? And, and right at the end, you'd always say to me, okay, son, what's the exit? How are we going to exit this? What value do you think we're going to get when we exit? How are you going to get us to that value? You just asked that question about the the, the exit. I know we talked about the strategy of building exits. What it gets is in front of mind. It gets in the front of my mind. I was like, I had a partner, Kerry, but like most of these businesses have got a partner and you can download this thing anyway and you can talk to your I, senior I staff or your husband or wherever. I'm going to download it. I'm going to put the link in my bio so that everybody can download it and get what I just, I mean, I'm only on chapter three and I'm, I'm, I'm in. So thank it you. Works. And it's free. So that's amazing. We've actually got a, cl- a question from a girl named Fiona, I believe. Sorry, the lights are bright, guys. Have you failed at something that you thought was a no-brainer? Um, oh, uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I, well, I, I not not in a overall sense, but I guess, but but I to be honest with you, I'm, I often make um, strategic calls in relation to my businesses, and a good, I, I, I'll give you a good one. Yellow Brick Road originally was set up as a wealth management business. We did home loans, um, but we our main our other main game was to make sure you retired comfortably. In other words, to give you financial planning advice and help you build you know, a plan for the rest of your life. My business today is called Yellow Big Road Home Loans. It's no longer called Yellow Big Road Wealth Management. And to be frank with you, I couldn't execute on the wealth management piece. Um, and whilst I know a lot about making money and, you know, I, but I, I don't know, I'm not a financial planner. I'm a home loans guy. Um, I, so I don't really know about financial planning, but, I would say I think it's a failure from my point of view um, because it got to a point where the regulatory environment was so tough that the people that I wanted to service in my wealth business were the people who aren't rich, the people who can't afford to go and see these really expensive financial planners. I wanted to sort of give financial advice and wealth advice to the masses. But the regulatory environment got so tough, it became it got to a point where it was going to cost me like $3,000, $4,000, 
just to give the advice to somebody who was maybe only had 50 grand's worth of assets um, or even less. And they were never going to be able to pay me for that because they, they couldn't afford it. So I couldn't afford to service the people that I wanted to look after. And so I guess I did fail in my, uh, in my dream that I dreamt that, you know, my, in my dream was to build these business, which looked after all those people who can't afford to get normal financial advice, eight, 20, 10, 10 grand or 20 grand. And I just couldn't do it in the end. So I had to give it away. I, I sold that business, um, in 2019 and, um, and I just turned the yellow to grow business and just, we're just, we're just a homeland business. We just, we lend money. That's what we do. So I did fail. Yeah, I failed. I wanted but to do I it. I, like I, I dreamt about it. Out of that failure, you've then now launched the mentor where you're fulfilling that goal. Well, the mentor is, yeah. Well, the mentor is um, I'm helping people with advice. I mean, I, I don't really make any money out of it. So the mentor business is something funded by me personally, privately. Um, it's about me returning back to people, all the stuff that I learned from other people over the years. And I've been lucky enough to be with some of the best people in the world. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I was, I mean, I was with General Electric for like five, six years, you know, the world's biggest company. Um, I, I've had some amazing experiences. So most people never get an opportunity. That's so my game is to pay for that stuff. I, I do regret, I, I just feel bad that I think everybody, the two things we deserve in life, we all deserve a roof overhead. I can do that with Yellow Brick Road. But the second thing we all deserve is to retire comfortably. Because we work our ass off our whole life, we pay all our taxes, we raise our kids, we you know look after our families and all that sort of stuff. We work you know a million hours a week. A day comes, you must, you should be able to retire comfortably. And I don't mean rich, wealthy. I'm talking about just comfortable. Um, but today, to be comfortable, you need to have probably given interest rates are so low and returns are so low, you need to have a million dollars in the bank plus your house. That's what I wanted to try and help Australians do, retire comfortably. And uh, and I, I unfortunately wasn't able to do it because the regulatory environment was so tough. Um, the, the amount of money it cost me to give one person advice, I was never going to get it back. And I, and, I, and I just didn't have it in me to ask them for that. I, I couldn't charge someone $5,000 for that advice because I know they couldn't afford it. And um, so I had to give so, that one away. You know, I... I've got a question. I mean, I always thought that your accountant, right, would do your financial planning. I'm now learning that that is not the no. case at all. Um, so I don't know whether that was, you know, I don't know whether other people assumed that. But where do you go for financial planning or financial advice on a budget? Or how do you think that people can do that? I don't think they can. That's the problem. I mean, today, one good thing about our system here is that we have um, superannuation if you're an employee. So there's compulsory superannuation from the employer to the employee. And the employee then gets the opportunity to direct where that money should be invested. And there are a lot of big fund managers out there. You see them advertising on television all the time. Um, um, and or it's not hard to Google them, um, who, who actually do a pretty good job and give you there's a pretty good return. And in fact, the return is much better than what you get if you put your money in the bank. Um, so I don't, if you're just a, a normal person, it's very hard to access financial advice. That's the, that was the issue. That was the thing I was trying to remedy, cure, um, because a good financial planner 
doesn't make money out of a client unless the client's got at least $200,000 of investable assets. So if you're under that number, you're going to find it very difficult to get a financial planner to help you. So if you're under that, um, for me, I think you can either try and educate yourself about the share market, but it's a pretty dangerous, it's a pretty um, volatile place. For me, I still think the best thing to do is invest in property okay. and your business. And your business. Right now. Right now. Because if you're looking to have an investment for, that's going to be there for the day you retire, and let's say you're, you know, you're 30, then you know, you, you got, you've got 30 years to write, 30 or 35 years to write out, or 40 years to write out all the tough periods. You just got to, you, and you've got to find an asset that grows without you having to do too much to it um, and without you having to check on it too much. Like if you're buying shares, you have to like be doing Like what kind of property would that be? Like I'm going to call um, it the lazy property. Like what yeah, would that okay. be? Well, well, for me, I'm not a, I don't want to be, look like I'm giving advice, but because I'm not allowed oh. to, legal, oh, legally sorry. not allowed to. No, that's okay. But I, I, I'll just talk generally. Um, for me, I think it's important to buy property. For, for a start, you've got to buy what you can afford. Don't buy what, don't stretch yourself. I don't believe okay. in stretching yourself in real estate. And for me today, regional areas are a great place to invest. Well, regional areas, and what I mean by regional, I don't mean go and buy a, a property in some place that's like, you know, 200 miles away and 200 kilometers away and it has no access. No water. Reg yeah. No, yeah. correct. <laughs> regional areas means there's an area that um, it has a hospital has schools, is close by at least half an hour, no more than half an hour away from an airport like Lismore Airport or Ballinor Airport or Coffs Harbour Airport or Airport South of Us or Orange Airport. Um, it has a hospital like those places do, has good schools, has good infrastructure and has some industry around it. It could be can be a tourism industry like Orange has got a heavy tourism industry, although that's a bit, doing a bit tough at the moment. Generally speaking, it's pretty good though. Um, or it has um, you know beaches or amenities so those regional areas, to me, are generally speaking, cheaper than buying in Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane. But by the way, if you can buy in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, by all means, buy in those places. Yeah. But but it, but but for me, I think you should be buying. It, so, like a lot of people, young people, say, "Yeah, but I can't afford to buy a property." Yeah, but you're looking at buying a place in um, Fairfield if it's a million bucks. I oh, know you can't afford it. Fair enough. But what, go and look somewhere else. Go and rent somewhere in Fairfield for you know six hundred, seven hundred bucks a week, and buy somewhere where you can afford. Yeah. And pick somewhere that you can buy, still buy a house for 300000 It might be in South Australia. It might be in uh, some part of Victoria. It might be in Cobram in Victoria on but the river there. definitely do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it now while you can afford you can, and borrow the amount of money you can afford to borrow. And that way you're committed and make sure that you're, you know, that you're, you know, you go, you've got to buy, buy, go buy a place where you can get a tenant. I mean, that's yep. pretty important. Do a bit of research. Don't yeah. just go and buy something stupid and say, oh, well, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll go look for a tenant. No, I don't tenant. think anyone's going to hold you to it, Mark. No one's going to be like, Mark, no, but, but, you, but, you, but, you, but you need to do a bit of work on these things. You need yeah. to, because you're not going to get a financial advisor who's going to do the work for you because they, they're going to charge you too much money. And they, they won't be interested because you haven't got enough investable assets. But what you need to do is start to become an advisor to yourself. Start to do the homework and the legwork around all this. Pick one asset class that you can become really good at. And an asset class I think is easy to become good at or easier to become good at is property as opposed to the share market because the share market is a difficult one yeah. and you need to be able to read balance sheets and profit loss accounts and you're relying on someone else's interpretation and and then what you see today could change tomorrow 
and the and the price of nickel might go up or go down, or the price of lithium might go up or go down, or they the, you know they told you there's a gold mine there, but they realised that the gold's too expensive to get out of the ground. Forget about it, okay? That's all too hard. Um, my little brother, then, my little brother is um, nine, how old is he now? Nineteen. He does all that, and every time he yeah. talks, that's what I feel like I hear. I'm like, I don't understand. Stop. Yeah, but he, he but he's living his life doing it. That's yes. fair. I, I get it. But for most people, you're you're running, you're a self-employed person. You're doing people's hair all day long. You you know you're doing ten people in a day, or you're a barber and you've done ten haircuts in the day and two shaves. And you and you it's eight o'clock at night and you get home. The last fucking thing you feel like doing, you start doing what your little brother does all day long. Um, but you you can start to look through realestate.com and domain. You can start to look at what prices are being what's being sold and what's not being sold, and start to look at where there's more turnover and start to work out where the rentals are best and not the best. You can start, that stuff's really much more understandable, put it that way. And okay. invest in that stuff. I love that. All right. So on in saying that, how, how hard do you think it's going to be for us to get a loan, a home loan now? It's harder to get home loan now than it ever has been before because, um, lenders we all know i'm a lender we all know that there are people who are doing it tough yeah. and that there are industries who are who, who potentially may not exist in the future like you know um for example travel agents yeah um, they may not exist in the future um and or there are industries that are going to be volatile in the future so we you know you have to assume we are going to get further lockdowns you know, in, in, in specific periods and specific places. So if you're a borrower, um, it's, you should start to be well aware of what industries should I work in. And by the way, hairdressing is a good industry to be in, generally speaking. I mean, because you're not more effective than anybody else. You know, you're, you're, you're just effective as everybody else. You're yeah. not a special, you know, the government's not particularly targeting you. But if you're, if, but if you're in a, you're in the, um, you know, you're working for a, a, a travel agent and you want to borrow money, well, it's going to be pretty hard. So you want to start looking at career changes and start to think about, well, where can I go that's a bit more stable, a bit more acceptable? So, And by the way, you, you don't need me to tell you what those places are. You know instinctively right now who are the people who are likely to be affected in the future as a result of the change in the way we live with COVID. And uh, and a good example of the travel agencies is a good, a, a definitely good example of that. Um, and then start to build your career and or your reliability, your reliance upon your income, which is what the lender is going to be interested in, because that's all the lender cares about is where you're going to get, where you're going to pay me from every month. Um, make sure that that industry that you're getting involved in is one that's a bit more resilient as an industry relative to those other industries that are going to that are going to continue to do it tough for a long time. Yeah. So that's One. the first thing. The second thing I'd say is we lenders are really keen to know what you spend your money on. So when we talked about earlier, knowing yeah. what's what your credit card says. I was well, just about to ask. Well, lenders, we say give me your credit card statements and give me all your Mate, bank statements. I can't believe that they went through my Uber Eats bill. Yeah, totally. They go through Uber Eats. They look at your Netflix accounts and they look everything. through everything that you spend. And Tab Corp, if you're in there spending money at the at the races and Etc. So it's it's a good idea before you go to borrow money to buy a home or borrow money generally, but just borrow money to get on a mortgage. It's a good idea 
for the three months prior to going, putting your application to clean up all that shit and just yeah. have the necessary stuff, absolute necessary stuff. Which and, is a good time uh, to do it. Cause let's be real. We can't all spend right now. So that's no, such great. good advice. Mark, I've got to ask you, my wedding industry friends are blowing up this chat right now. So I have another side of our business, which is the wedding business. They have been so affected, like the suppliers and the brides and the grooms. Um, it's emotional. It's also very controversial in the sense that uh, wedding suppliers usually rely on their deposits, for example. So they'll pay, you, you make a, um, a down payment on your wedding in 12 months' time. This is the 12 month and they've canceled the wedding based on COVID. But these suppliers live off those deposits. Mm. How do you, how do we go about it? Like, do you, I mean, you want to give the money back ethically. You can't because it's 12 months ago. It's, they rely on this for cash flow, right? So they rely on this, you know, deposit system for cash flow. Can you help us like navigate this space? Like what are we meant to do in the event and wedding business? Yeah, well, I, I've got a, I've got a, like a little resort that um, I take deposits um, for bookings. So you secure your deposit, your booking with a deposit. And, um, and off the back of that cash flow, um, you know, I've got to pay groundsmen and security and pool people and all the other stuff, cleaners and painters, well, millions of people. And then COVID hits and I've just got three, three months worth of cancellation, July, August, September. Um, uh, and I was thinking about, I was talking to my agent, I got a, like a person who does all the bookings and I was talking to him about it. And, uh, I also own a hotel, like an accommodation hotel in Darlingness in Sydney. We had to close the hotel, um, because we, we, it cost us more money to turn the lights on all the air conditioning systems on than it did for us. In terms of then, then we were getting a return in terms of revenue from guests. I was talking to the agent about this, and I said, I think we need to, when things open up again, we need to say, I think this could equally apply in the wedding industry, make it clear to people there's a new contract, a new agreement. Yeah. That when I can't fix what's happened, but from now on, just full transparent disclosure look, we need a 20% deposit. And we will spend that 20% deposit. And if you cancel within a, a period of time, like, you know, whatever the period of time is, that 20% deposit is just not going to be refundable. I mean, I think, I really do think, and if you're, and if you work in, um, if you're a person who's a, a photographer for weddings, again, you got to say to your couple who are getting married, um, and they might be booking you for six months time, look, I need to get a 20% deposit now. Because I've got cameras, I've got to hold stock. I've got to make sure that I'm. Oh, not only that, like I've got to respond to that. I'll, I'll, uh, somebody asked, why would they spend their deposits? Like, for example, if you're a dressmaker and you're a small business owner in the wedding industry, you use that deposit as a yeah. like they're down payments. They're not like I'm just holding this for your date. Like this is I, that's production cost. That's rent cost. They like they live off that. That's their cash flow. So I think a lot of people don't really understand how the business model works. So but just on the dressmaker, you deposit on popcorn. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're not rorting anybody. So like, just like in the dressmaker one, you might say, if you're the dressmaker, you might say, look, um, I'm go I need a deposit of whatever it is, fifty percent, twenty percent. 
and this is what the money is going to be spent on. I'm going to go and buy sequins, material. I got to pay the the seamstress. I got to pay blah 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 the designer, 100%. and I got to pay the the person. And I got to bring yeah, no, the fabric in. They're not using it to go to dinner. No, and but by the way, if you cancel the wedding, you can have what I've got. I don't want it. It's no good to me. You can have it. You can it's have yours. Half the dress. You can have. Well, we have what we've made so far. I mean, if you want it, like because it's not, it's no good to me anyway. I mean, Matt, you got to. What I'm, I guess, what I'm saying here is that we've got to start thinking as people who suffer cancellations. If we want to take a deposit and we need to use the deposit to run our business, we've got to think of some way of making it seem fair to the person who's making the payment. Um, so they need to understand. Yeah, correct. And you need you need to understand. Otherwise, they will think you're out there, you know, boozing up and having buying yourself a new car and blah 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 and buying yourself a new dress. You got to say, no. Look, by the way, when you pay me the deposit to come and stay at my place, um, I use that to pay for you know these six staff. Here's a picture of them all. Um, you know, and they're, they're, there's a grounds blah, blah blah blah, and that's what they do. Um, if you cancel, unfortunately, I can't refund it because that's part of the way I run my business. And, you know, I mean, I just think it's, again, it's about being a good communicator and and actually building a good case and making it not just a, just not being prepared to communicate, but communicating well, a good case as to why it's fair that someone should pay you the deposit. And in the event that something goes wrong, you can only pay back half the deposit. Half yeah. has to be forfeited or whatever. Talk, talk to them. Talk to these people and say, what do you think is fair? Yeah. And if they say, well, I'm not going to give you fucking anything, just say, well, then I don't really want to take the booking. Amen. Well, I hope that helps everybody. Mark, you're a legend. You have given us so much tonight. I can't, like, I'm so appreciative and I know the community is appreciative and I know that the you've got, like, people saying marry you. <laughs> I can't take this shit seriously. Um, but you have so many people that are, like, constantly you know singing your praises anybody that has met with you um has done business with you you know they're always saying what a top bloke you are so but you know it means the world to me i'm super honored that i have the opportunity to chat to you um i'm very grateful and i'm grateful to your team to make making that happen um because it, it we need more people like you that are happy to pay it forward um Thank you. and if i can be that bridge and um, you know to help navigate some of these questions i'm always here thanks very much that's me signing off thanks for listening to the mentor audio and production is by jess morley and production assistants jonathan leondis 